Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I am sitting down here with Kevin Palmieri. He is the CFO, co-founder, co-host, and peak performance podcast coach um, of the Next Level Universe. Um, just to kind of get a little backdrop of Kevin, in his mid-20s, he had it all. He had a beautiful girlfriend, high-paying job, sports car, uh, dream body, but then he was sitting at the edge of his bed debating suicide, and he went through these like rocky, extreme, low, rocky moments. And he went through a holistic self-improvement and it, it shaped how he viewed anxiety, depression, altered, pivoted things, and then became more of in the life of what he dreamed of. So really focusing in on himself. And I am so excited for him to be on this episode of Converged Coffee. Kevin, thanks for being on the show. Sean, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to see where we go today. Uh, this is our little choose your own adventure. Um, so the first kind of question I want to ask is get kind of an origin story mm -hmm. is what made you start, you know, next, next level university. You've talked about your own um, challenges throughout life and just changing things. But how was how that the extension of what was kind of the precipice of the decision to um, co-found um, next level university? Yeah. So I, at 26 years old, I made $100,000. It took me traveling for an entire, well, 10 months out of the year doing my job. So I was in an industry called weatherization. So we would go into schools mostly and make them more energy efficient. That was, that was my job. Beautiful side of that was I made 60 to $120 an hour. The downside is I spent a long, long period of time on the road because we got contracts in, in different states. So I was somebody who was not confident, even though I looked it. I was very insecure, even though I didn't look it. I was living a life that I think internally I was one way, but externally I was vastly different. So I just, my internal state, my external state were just completely different. But I assumed if I made a bunch of money, that would fix my internal state, right? If I, if I make six figures, I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. So I dedicated that year to making that money. I was sitting at my table, I opened my final pay stub of the year. I made $100,000 at 26 and with no college degree. And I remember thinking to myself that for most of my life, I've lived unconsciously, right? I, I went on this journey to make all this money unconsciously, assuming it was going to fix things within me. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I started, John, the first podcast was called the Hyperconscious Podcast. That was it. I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast where I would have deep conversations like this with people. And I ended up falling out of love with my job while falling in love with the podcasting. I ended up calling out of work, leaving the job sites early, showing up late. I was done. I was just checked out. But I, I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable going all in on a podcast because I didn't know what I was doing. So that led me to the sitting on the edge of the bed suicidal moment where I was just questioning everything and can I be successful? Can I start over? All of that. And then I left my job three or four months later, and then I went full-time into the podcast. But it started from a place of, I assumed all these results would create happiness for me. How many other people think the same way? All right, cool. Let me go talk about that. We don't talk about that in our society enough, where we mm -hmm. look at the automation of what like things are put into place. Like, okay, if we get the car, then we'll be happy. Oh, if we get the job, then we'll be happy. But it's like, what are all the steps that leading up to getting that car and appreciating it more or appreciating uh, when you, if you're a marathon runner or triathlon and you, you have a huge achievement 
towards things or even in just in your job or just small things like, oh, I bought my first home. But all the effort that went in there, the intentionality of going into it is is one of those, you know, kind of, you know, beautiful things. And, and I was in the same degree of you when I started my podcast. I'm like, man, I should go all in on this. And I'm glad you did because you recognize, but there had to have been, you know, I had my own pivotal like moments of like, man, should I go through this? You know, how should I, how should I go about going about doing this? And so I would love your perspective on how do you help facilitate personal growth for others from the lessons that you've learned? Yeah, I think honestly, it's, it's interesting. And you and I kind of talked about this behind the scenes. I think humans learn through story. So I think by doing what I'm doing right now is how I try to help. It's I tell a story that somebody can resonate with. It helps them identify as I'm kind of like that guy. And then when we talk about like, oh, what were the modalities? What were the tactics? That's when it really starts to connect. But the simplest form is I try to help people understand what is your current identity? What is your past identity that you've grown from? And what is the future identity you must have in order to accomplish the life that you want? Whatever that means, whatever accomplish means. I think a lot of us are, to your point, we're stuck in this kind of wheel where when I get blank, I will feel blank. Not when I become blank, I will, you know, achieve blank or I will fulfill blank. I think the other thing too, Sean, that's very interesting is a lot of us are optimized for happy, right? We're, we're trying to find happiness when in reality, I think fulfillment is really, really the, the juice that we're after because when I had a nice, like a super nice car, I was happy with my car, but that's momentary dopamine spikes versus fulfillment to me, which is you're in the process of doing what you love. You love, you're in the process of growing and contributing. You're in the process of, of leaning towards something greater in your future, maximizing your potential. I just think there's a big difference between happiness and fulfillment. So that's another thing that I talk about often. And I try to help people understand that just because you're in a struggle does not mean you can't be fulfilled. A struggle is not necessarily negative because oftentimes on the other side of the struggle is the gratitude of doing. Making notes here for everybody. No yeah. Um, no, I, and I love that. I love that you all also talk about dopamine spikes because we are so, we are overstimulated. We are overnourished and we have a high sense of dopamine that we just need the next hit, next hit versus we need to be more of an, in a serotonin. We need to be in more of an present moment. And I love that you talk about this because one of my mindset coaches talks about, you know, your current past and future identities. And I love that you're putting everything together of the precipice of what mindset, like mindset coaches, quantum theory that, but you had to go through rock bottom in order to look up. And I'm like, no, I don't want to feel this again. I don't want to go through this again. What do I need to change? And so as you're kind of like culminating and kind of thinking about your business, you know, what's kind of the ultimate, you know, key performance indicator KPI for your customer experience, like what is the things that you dial in on that you're like, okay, this fulfills me, but this also fulfills who I'm talking to. It's uh, for us, it's number of podcast listens. I mean, that is the number I track every day. I am obsessed in a positive way. And that allows us to dictate a couple things. Number one, what is the growth rate, AKA who are we being exposed to and who is sticking around? The other thing too, and I'm sure you're probably, I know you're into data and analytics. 
we I try to look at the consumption rate, like the consumption rate, how much of our episodes are actually being listened to, because there's a big difference between a listen and a committed listener. Those are those are two. And then I know this is a this is kind of a dangerous game, but a lot of it for me is intuitive. I make a lot of my decisions based on what would the human Kevin do? Not always what would the business owner Kevin do? Uh, just as an example, somebody reached out to me the other day and they signed up for group coaching. And they said, hey, I, I signed up and I accidentally paid in full. Is there any way you can like void that so I can do the payment plan? It's like, is that a pain in the butt? Yes. Will that cost me 3% of the purchase price because we pay 3% through what we use? Yes. Is it worth losing a potential community member over? No. So I was like, yeah, of course. Of course. I, the last thing I want is you not to have money in your bank account because you signed up for something. So I think there's that part of me that's intuitively, what would I appreciate as a human being? How would I like to be treated in this situation? And I think that's really, really served us because I think a lot of times people are, they're more focused on the automation scalability than they are the humanity of it. And that's where it starts. It starts from humanity. You hit it on the head. We are, we are going in a pivotal time in tech companies. Oh my gosh, mortgage, hospitality, all that kind of stuff is that there is a, there's a trickle effect that we got to be too automated over the last 20 years. Yeah. Now we're going back to the, back to the human side of how do we get more entrenched with nature ourselves building valuable experiences. And you hit it on something ahead that you like, you articulated it, but there's like a, there's two words that came to mind is that you reverse engineer customer mm -hmm. experiences because you're like, okay, this is how I want to feel. So how do I reverse engineer that? So someone else can feel that too. Yeah. And I really like that you put your, you put your um, mindset into how the customer feel and then, then automatically assuming what they, what you think they should feel or what they think the process should be. So if this is the no more grilling questions here, but this is kind of the room to, uh, expand upon anything you want to talk about in the sense of consumption rate, your customer experiences, what you, you know, talk about pivoting pivotal moments. You know, this is kind of your, your like your internal monologue that you can tell the listeners out there. This is, this is what's going on. Yeah. What's going on. It's interesting. I, it's very appropriate that we're talking about this now. I feel like I have crossed the chasm between present identity and future identity. I think I've crossed the chasm where now I'm living more in my future identity than I ever have. And I'm actually becoming truly confident in my, my level. And we can jam on this too, if you want, my level of self-worth is actually catching up to my level of self-belief. There's been a, an interesting shift lately where I'm a, in the podcast community, I'm quote unquote successful because we have a business and all that. But now I'm finally starting to like, I'm going to go start doing podcast speeches and I'm going to go start doing podcast events and I'm going to do more of that because I feel now that that is where my identity actually is. I am the type of person that is capable of doing that and adding value. And for the last however many years, it hasn't always felt that way. So I think the what's on my mind is I think a lot of us assume we're eventually going to get there. And I don't know that there is actually a real place. I think there is a sliding scale because when you get there and it gets easy, you're most likely going to seek some sort of different, maybe more difficult challenge. So yeah, that's, I think that's what's on my mind is understanding that there is moving. 
It's a moving target at all times. I was I was introduced by to a uh, like a a guy that started mindset coaching back in the, like the 1970s before it was like it was more it was more of woo woo like the spiritual yeah. and now we've gotten to the more of the science behind quantum theory energy exchange where it's it's debunking the woo woo of like well I just feel it and what he talked about was fluid fluidity water air. And it really got me thinking of like every time that you've mentioned that of like, oh, I can't reach it, but I'm kind of close to it. It's like a rower on a river, like in Boston or someplace where you see those like awesome rivers where, um, and you see that like the channel of rowers that are working together, but they're enjoying each moment of like the resistance of the water and pushing themselves, but they're rowing to the sun. Will they ever get to the sun? No, but they're enjoying rowing to that and rowing to a distance where you see that in athletes where, yeah, the finish line's right here, but their goal is, is I don't want to hit the finish line. I want to hit farther than the finish line. So when I run, go through the finish line, it's, it's easy. It's with ease. And it's like reshaping our brain. Like when, when you've mentioned, you know, becoming your more of the self-worth and, and being instead of like having the confidence in yourself and like trying to strive that, but more of becoming more of the self-worth of like, this is who I am, accept it or not. This, that's okay if you don't, not a big deal to me, but it doesn't hit your ego. And I've noticed the things that you have said where you have relinquished your ego and you're moving more towards, you know, the future of where you want, you want to be. And it's a beautiful thing because then that is where you attract your listeners, less churn rate, whatever, higher consumption rate. Like it's a beautiful thing that you're, you're talking about that I think the, the Converge Coffee listeners are going to resonate with I because they're like, that. okay, next level university. What are they about? Let's chat. Like, let's just listen to their episode. And that that's kind of the whole purpose of this podcast is just to shine light on you. Like what, like what makes you tick? What do you focus in on? And so this part of the episode, if we want to go deeper into you, like this is the about you section. So this is your work, hobby and health. And wanting to know more of like what makes you tick, what gets you up in the morning, what are kind of the processes that you put into place each and every day so that you're becoming more of your future self. Yeah. So I always, when I get asked any questions about like the systems behind what I do, I always try to preface with number one, it has taken me six years to get to this point. Number two, what I do is definitely not for everybody, but I have, and I didn't create this either. My business partner created this. I have a spreadsheet that has 26 habits that I look at first thing in the morning every day. And then I play Tetris and I say, all right, I have X amount of time. How can I do X amount of things? So whether it's, you know, first thing in the morning, I usually, I wake up, I walk out of the bedroom, I get my gym clothes on and I go to the gym. That's, that's the first thing I do on the, on the way to the gym. I am listening to a book and I intentionally go to the gym. That's 15 minutes away. So I can do at least 30 minutes of uh, learning right? Between being on my way to the gym and then back. I get to the gym. I throw in our podcast. I review our podcast every day. I try to review it every day. Again, I don't get hundred percent every day. While I'm doing mobility, I do 15 minutes of mobility and then I strength train. And then I am, I am grounded and centered for the day. I come home, I eat, I shower, and then I'm in the office from, you know, 7am until 6pm, 7pm, depending on the day. This is what I'll say though. This is an interesting thing for me. Somebody asked me recently, he said, what's your, what's your legacy? And I was like, I think that's kind of a loaded question for many of us because 
I don't think of it as when I'm gone forever. I think it's when I'm gone from here. So my legacy with you is the same as it is when I leave. I want, I want you to have a good experience. I want you to feel valued, heard. I want you to be like, wow, that was a good dude, or that was a good energy, or that was a good interview, or whatever. I want you to have more positive emotions when I leave than you had when I arrived. And I think that's a, just a unique little thing that I try to do, whether it's at the gym in the front desk, whether it's at the drive-through, whether it's whatever, whatever it is, any opportunity I have to give that, right? But you have to have you have to have it to give it. So I try to give it because I feel like I have it, and that's something that I I think is important for the business. I think it's important for everything, but most importantly, I think it's important to me. I really appreciate your perspective on that because you have said things in your own way that I think are going to resonate with certain people in the sense of like, you know, previous interviews with mindset coaches, business professionals that have really gotten into this. Each person says it doesn't, they don't say it the exact same way, Mm. but they say it where it's almost like, I get what you're saying. Like if you've been through it, you're like, I get what you're saying. I get why, you know, people wake up and, and work out in certain ways. I get why I listened and I review things. But I and I really appreciated your system of the operations within it in the sense of like, okay, if I head to the gym, that's 30 minutes to and from all together, round trip. I can listen to a book. Yep. I can do other things where people are like, well, I don't have enough time or I don't do this. And I'm like, okay, then why do you work and you burn yourself out and then you just watch eat TV and veg out versus why don't you find something fulfilling and then work doesn't seem like work. It might be a struggle at some points, like everything is. You're shedding your former self in order to become your future self. But you've just mentioned things in the sense of how you fit those into little pockets and just rewiring just small little behavioral patterns that are just, it's, it's going to it's be a culmination. You're building the building blocks now in order to like, okay, like later on when people are like, so how did you become successful? Like, well, it's like, it wasn't overnight. It yeah. was just a lot of small little things that I had to retrain and rewire and it wasn't the day in like it was the day in day out it wasn't like okay we had a mission we're gonna do this no it was like no i this is what i had to do on a daily basis and yeah but i had to be excited about it i had to enjoy it well that's the hard part too is when people say like what's the one thing it's you know what the one thing is time i mean that's it's consistency over time what six years so i i started my podcast i think around the same time you started yours 2017 What's six years of learning? 30 minutes a day. Hey, that's, you know, 365 times six. What's, that's probably 2,000 at least. Like that's a lot of, that's a lot of hours, maybe 6,000, 10,000 hours, whatever. That it's just, it's hard to account for time. And in the understanding of how things compound, that's the other thing too is like, I'm very, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback least, uh, lately. And I'm, now I'm going to butcher my speech on my podcast abilities. And I just tell people, I, I mean, I've done 1800 episodes. I've just done this so much that in the beginning, I wasn't as good as I am. Five years from today, I'll be better than I am. So it's just, you're catching me to what you've been saying. You're catching me in a unique blip of time where this is just where my skill set is. Hopefully I'll be better in five years. That's the goal. But time is the, it's probably the hardest thing to account for, especially emotionally. So when I started out in 2017, I like, I, I analyzed other podcasters in the sense of, I don't want to pick up their bad habits, but I wanted to learn on my own perspective. And one podcast that really stood out to me was Tim Ferriss's. And I was like, okay, I'm going to look 
five years, like five years, I'm like, I'm going to look at what his podcast is doing. And then I looked back when he started and it was night and day. It was like, okay, how do I figure this out? How do I do that? And let me just keep doing it. And just, and it was more so of, you know, the value of a podcast is, you know, everybody's like, I want more listeners and this kind of stuff. But the value of the podcast, my perspective is the guest, because you bring somebody on, they're going to share they're going to share it with their listeners and other listeners are just going to be gravitated. Like you're going to find the right alignment towards things. And then listeners will come and then listeners become guests and it just, it, it compounds one on one another. But I think a big thing that um, people are scared of, it's not in the sense of the consistency of fitting in their day. It's like, okay, it's, if it's proven, I'll, I'll do it. It's more of the getting started. I think it's the most important thing where that's the fear, the doubts, Everything that goes into it of like, okay, I need this, this, and this. like you see it in business, you see it in everything else. It's like they want to stay with a company because they're more afraid of starting something new that would in the long term tenfold and what they were what they were giving, they were receiving. But no, they stay in corporate jobs or different things that they're just scared because they don't have the monetary, you know, means or they they think they have the monetary. It's almost like breathing. But there's like Navy uh, SEAL training where they do like a sink test. They like tie your limbs and then yep. you're like, okay, you have to breathe. But like naturally in our minds, it's like, oh shit, like I have to go all the way down to this pool or the, whatever this, the body of water. And I have to kick myself back up and I need a breath. But the thing is, it's like, oh my gosh, like I need a breath and then another breath. Like I need to carry all this stuff. When in actuality, your body can withstand a lot more pressure than what you think. And so one or two breaths when you come back up and then you assess the situation, that's more than enough time. But our brain and our ego selves, like you said, like it gets in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially in the beginning, I think a lot of people focus on results. You got to focus on sustainability. But I, you're not going to lose 50 pounds overnight. You're going to lose 50 pounds over 50 weeks. But that starts with you going to the gym once. I think that's if you think about it for a lot of us, we've been talking about this a lot lately. You have different percentage goals. So like a 3% goal for you is something you believe with 3% of your being you can accomplish. That's not where you start sustainable. You're nobody's going to start, not nobody. I wouldn't recommend you start a podcast with seven episodes a week. That's not sustainable for most humans. You should start with maybe one or maybe one every other week. You have to find the sustainability part. Once you can do something, so once you figure out, okay, sustainable start, awesome. Then how do you do that thing consistently? All right, now I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it every day. I'm just going to get it ingrained. It's going to become part of my identity. And then we focus on improvement. After your 50 episodes in, you can say, you know what? It's time for a new mic. Time for a new backdrop. Time for whatever. Videos, whatever. Bigger guests. Going on other shows. But if you start with, okay, I'm going to do one episode a week. I'm going to go on five shows a week. I'm going to have a guest on every week. I'm going to do coaching. I'm going to build a website. I need all this stuff. You're already limiting yourself by your lack of belief around the sustainability. So I think that's it, right? Drop the ego. And again, we've all done it. But when you go to the gym, you lift a weight that's sustainable. If you don't lift a weight that's sustainable, you get hurt. And if you get hurt, you can't go back and you have a negative association with the gym. Exactly. It's the progression. It's the phase build outs. It's yes. not rushing into doing everything and saying, oh my, like you said, like I need a website, e-newsletter. I need this, 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 and this like no what's my core mission and and that's i think what this whole automation like dismantling has happened in the mm -hmm. sense of like okay if we just build it they will come it's like the field of dreams so well you really look at like watch the movie of field of dreams like 
there's so much more to the precipice right. of things culminating and the spirit world, if you want to call it, that was saying, okay, yeah, you need to build this. It wasn't just like, oh, build it and they will come like automatically. And I think that we've gotten into that repetitive behavior. We There's a misconception of automation takes a load off of our mind. Yes. But is it, is it truly aligned to who our core selves are? And so we have to take, now we're taking a step back and you're noticing this on social media platforms. Like it, it's going to be harder to talk to Gen Z because Gen Z is taking the power back from what they were being um, taken advantage of and they're taking the power back. And so it's going to be even harder to find those customers that are going to relate to you and the one actually even relate, but want to buy from you because they're like, well, your mission's this, this, and this, this is how your company's structured. You laid off this many people. Like, how is that sustainable? Why should I be buying from you? There's another interesting thing too, where I think the, a lot of people, and I think this is shifting. It's not at, it is about results in the product, but it's also about the experience. So I had a, I was on the live chat today at like six o'clock in the morning with GoFundMe. And I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. It was awesome. They were awesome. They were the best. And again, I'm not getting paid to say this. They were just awesome. My view of them is way higher now. If I was going to invest, I would invest in them. If I'm ever going to use that type of service, it's going to be them. Because I think we all understand that if, the, if a mistake gets made, here's a great analogy. Uh, my wife and I have like the five-gallon water jugs and a water cooler in our house because I, I drink a lot of water because I talk all day. I am yet to find a water delivery service that has good enough ratings for me to do it because I know it'll be a, more of a pain in the butt than it's worth to me. Customer service is something that people are under, under leveraging. And the, la and the other thing too is scalability is very important, but so is in a personal touch. And with a lot of people, when you scale, you lose personal touch. And I've had so many people say to me like, no, that's not valuable. You know, my clients want to work less and, and all that. It's like, I understand what you're saying. You can still find a way to work less and be more personal if that's what you want, but it's not just setting it and forgetting it. It's, that's not the way to build a business anymore. No, it's not. And and that's why I, I shifted my podcast view from it. Like it used to be about marketing. It used to be about the principles of just the for messaging, design, tech, and customer experience. Mm. And then more so as I was talking to people over the years, you know, people were talking about tech and design and like how to make things beautiful and that kind of stuff. And then it reverted back to the, the humanization of the messaging that really resonates with people that makes them the synapses fire and their gut yeah. feel like, oh, this feels good. But then it's the customer experiences that steal the deal of saying, okay, this is how we're going to reduce churn. Like, you know, I just, I chatted with somebody the other day about Amazon, like they're like Amazon saved the Bezos letters. If you really look through how he established things and how he communicated that where Customer customers come first, like the customer experience comes first, no matter how much we automate things, no matter what we get into, we have to make sure that if a shipment is say that's going to arrive, it should arrive at that time. If not, give a reason why don't like, don't say that, you know, don't give excuses, just say, you know, this is the situation of what was going, especially with 2020 with, you know, shipping and everything else, just, you know, live in the shit of what's going on and, and the issues that are going on and just communicate with your customer saying, Hey, this is what's going on rather than trying to use. And, and it, it irks me being a data person is when you see people or companies that overhire. So they look at capacity modeling and I hate it when they look at capacity modeling because 
it irks me because people who like say, oh, we need more capacity, we need more this. I'm like, my question to them is, it's like, so what was your, what what grades did you get in math? What's the concept theory with this? And I always, even science and, and just, I'm like, what was your grade in science? Like, did you actually retain and understand this enough to like, I'm not saying like everybody, like if they're, if they're horrible at math or, or science that they don't like, there's, there's stages in our life that we were just bad at school, <laughs> like the structure of school. But if it's like, if it's the ego self of pontificating, like, oh, we should do this because of this, rather than saying, no, we should do this because this is what some of the data is leading to, as well as here's the qualitative side and the intuitive side that you're mentioning. It's like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm dialed in on. This is what I'm also seeing in some consistencies of correlations with the consumption rate. Like this is what we should dial in on. And so giving just that little bit of context to rather than say, we just need to hire, like, well, what do we need to hire for? Why do we need to hire? What's the reason why? If you don't give the customers or your employees the reason why behind things, the whole company just dis dismantled or you see 10% layoffs on Salesforce or you see all of the stuff going on where it's, it's taking away from the experience of what you're trying to build. Well, it's, that's why one of the things is like people talk about personal development and for some reason it's like you can personally develop your business too. It's that weird thing of like, what are your business systems? Can you run those in your life? Like for your relationship, you do check-ins, you can, there's a lot of things you can do, but what can you also take from your life? That's just potentially basic and bring it into your business. That's like, I think that's really what's happening. And I think one of the reasons is a lot of the brands are really starting as personal brands. In the beginning of a personal brand, if you do not have good customer service, you're probably not going to last very long because that's really all you have in the beginning, especially social media. Now everybody has reviews. That's how mm -hmm. we live our lives. What was this person's experience? Uh, oh, it wasn't good. What was Sean's experience? Well, Sean seems like he's kind of like me. He didn't like it. Pass. You know, it's, it's deeper than it's ever been. There's also more options than there's ever been. That's the other thing. It's more options. There's more overload. And what I've also noticed too, is a lot of companies jumped two steps forward and they're trying to do account-based marketing and like, yeah, we can automate this and automate it to groups and find the right buyer, but they miss the quintessential product led growth mm. where you're building and you're lining the product with a community. Yeah. And so the community will talk well about you and then you can build it to your small to medium sized businesses and the, and as you get more complex, but it's just really interesting going from they're like jumping, like you see a lot of companies just even just selling to Google, Facebook or Meta, Amazon, all these other companies. Yeah, they got really good at making products and then just selling to enterprise yeah. so that enterprise could and, and, and just basically eat it up and then use it as it, like as it needed within its, its core function because they already built an audience there. But it's now we're taking a step back and you're seeing the successful companies now that are hiring and doing sustainable hiring where they're like, they're, they're the ones that like, you know, if you ever watched the world cup, they were like Croatia, no hype to them, just doing their own thing, but they were well oiled machine because they knew each other for years. And that's what I think that's kind of the beauty of like the, the, the underdog quote unquote stories that you see out there where they, they have a good culture is because they had great people, founders that understood where their own limit personal limitations were and they're like okay how can i find something to, to help me fractionally as an advisor whatever that may be because i don't know this but i know how to do this 
but being but establishing their boundaries and i and i think that's amazing that we we're kind of talking about that like you mentioned that in your routine you established boundaries of this is what i do this is how i do it this is for me it's not for everybody else but here's the beautiful thing. Someone might take that and they're like, oh, that's a really good idea. Let me try that out and test it for me. If it's not for them, at least they tested it out, but they remembered you. Just yeah. the, the customer experience. Hey, I tried to go fund me. It was, it was a great experience. The automation, like there's some tech things that were just off. But when I talked talk to customer experience, you know, we resolved the issue, but I'm like, I still don't want to use, I don't, I still don't want to use them, but I'll still remember them when they get their tech back up because then I'll be I'll I'll come back. Yeah. I think a lot of people are thinking of the like what's the culture of the end user and they forget about what's the culture of the creator. Yes. That's an important that's an important uh, facet because that takes it kind of takes care of everything. It determines what you do, what you don't, how you do what you do, how you decide, you know, it's I think that's such an important thing. And I think now again, you know, brands are far more transparent than they've ever been in terms of well, not necessarily, but in terms of their missions and their priorities and their core values and purposes. So I think that's beneficial because people get people want to be a part of something more than mm -hmm. ever, more than ever. I am. This is what the people think. I am the type of person that supports this. I am not the type of person that supports this. The more opportunity you have to build a human connection, the more successful you're going to be long term. I think it comes down to if you ever watch like um, championship games, NFL, NBA, college, mm. whatever that may be is that you see the, the the teams that almost get there and they lose yeah. the championship game. And then you just see the look, the body language, everything. But then you see summer training that they want that feeling. And then the teams that have gotten that feeling have become multiple, multiple level championships. Like you saw Lionel Messi, like all, all the accolades, but it was also the hunger of like, I want to feel that feeling again. I want to feel that feeling again with, and sh celebrate that with other people. And I think that's what people want. They want that feeling again of that. And it's, it's, it's not addictive, but it is depending on how you look at it, but it's something like, I want to, I want to feel fulfilled again, going back to your original thing, not happy, but fulfilled. And so, I mean, we can go down a rabbit hole, here, <laughs> but I want to, I want to just, you know, you know, for the listeners out there, Kevin, I thank you for talking about, you know, you know, true testament, like, you know, not the same path, but a similar knowing what the path that you went down, the similar feelings of what, like what we experienced in a certain degrees. And I really appreciate you doing that and then transitioning that into making something beautiful out of it and, and making it a practice, making it, you know, phase build outs, building consistency and just showing a vulnerability yourself because it shows a true strength. So I really appreciate this, this episode. Thank you, Kevin. Of course. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it more than you know. And to all the Converge Coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap. <laughs>